I'm Kim Schmidt, Managing Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to this episode of Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps podcast series. In this episode, brought to you by Iron Solutions, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC talks with Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. If you're tuning in for the first time, I encourage you to subscribe via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you are alerted when each upcoming episode is released. Before we turn things over to Casey and Chip, a quick word from Iron Solutions, who is making this podcast a reality. Iron Solutions provides dealers with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. Their Iron Search and Iron Guides are all about managing your dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. Chip, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Casey. So, man, harvest going on right now. It seems like it won't die. Guys I talked to on the podcast, no matter where they're at, have so far said that it's been a just a delay after delay after delay, and it's uh, one thing after another, but bushels seem to be very high. So what are your clients yeah. telling you, and, and what are you seeing out there? Yeah, I think that's a good overview of it. A lot of challenges this year. It's it's We're late on uh, corn harvest, and like you said, uh, just kind of – delay after delay nothing too like horrible yet but you know it's just been kind of a nuisance where you you know you get a rain you're, you're out for three or four days just when it starts drying up you maybe get a day day and a half of run and the next rain hits um, so it's been one of those falls a lot of corn left in the fields particularly you know as you go north and west um, into the upper midwest and and plains there's a lot of corn in the field and and, and challenges like you said, you know, these yields are pretty darn good, phenomenally good, you know, maybe transitioning into this USD report we just had um, Thursday, you know, new record high yields. It's like an unprecedented thing because the heart of the Corn Belt, uh, you know, the I-States, Nebraska, Minnesota, they had good, really strong corn yields, but they were all below record yields where the massive bushels are coming in states like Texas and and uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, Pennsylvania, you know, North Carolina, states like that, Kentucky, um, having yields 20 to 30 plus bushels above their previous record state yields. And that really helped um, put the bushels out there this year. So, you know, massive, massive yields um, kind of coming out of nowhere. No, there's not an agronomist around that would have uh, expected, you know, what we're seeing. We got producers saying, Hey, I've, I replanted corn the 1st of June. Uh, it's making 200 to 220 bushels. You know, I would have been happy with, with 180. Um, the full season stuff that got in early is really good on the good ground. And, in you know, the heart of the corn belt, there's a lot of, you know, 250, 260 plus corn out there. So yields are good. Nobody really is uh, sure. They're scratching their head where they came from necessarily. Obviously, it was a cooler uh, than average summer, although it got a little dry for some people. Uh, we had a nice long growing season. That first frost stayed, uh, you know, for the most part, way um, past the normal first frost date. I think that helped. We had plenty of subsoil moisture. I don't know if you can put your finger on one thing, but boy, we um, we raised corn this year. It's like a perfect storm. Everything kind of came together all at once, especially with early on when we had so much talk about replant and prevent acres and as the summer went on, there was a lot of talk about drought and in certain parts of the corn belt and how that might affect the price of corn. But, you know, they say big crops, you just keep getting bigger. And, and this one's pretty much done that. 
It has, and uh, I mean, shockingly so. Uh, you know, I, th- I think, don't hold me to this, but this uh, 3.6 bushel increase, I believe, was the biggest increase um, um, in history uh, on the uh, October to November report. We have one more yield projection from the USDA. That's in January. So under that kind of big crops get bigger category, you know, there's going to be people wondering, well, are they going to are they going to go up another bushel or two? You know, is this really a 177 crop? You know, we'll have to wait 60 days for that. But um, you know, whether it's 176 or they cut it um, a bushel or two, it's a big, big crop, and that's uh, something that's going to hang over this corn market for a while, unfortunately. So looking forward at the soybean market, I mean, it seems like there's been a lot of volatility there last, especially since the the last reports came out. But how do you see the, the soybean market playing out, and, and what's what's the harvest yield response that looks like? Yeah, so I think kind of the same thing. Those those areas in the south, especially Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi, Arkansas, um, kind of the south and southeast areas, they had a a, a really a great summer and a, and a great end to the summer. So I think part of what's pushing our yields are um, a lot of those double crop beans. They got a full long season. It never got too hot for them. And they got some rain in August and September. And uh, they really put some beans out. Now up here, kind of in the in the northern portions of the Corn Belt, a lot of producers uh, we talked to had really good yields, not as good as a year ago uh, for farm averages. And we, we were a little drier in August and September. And so those, like the last third of harvest tailed off a little bit on yields. But the kind of same thing as corn. I, I think that those southern areas of the Corn Belt and down in the southeast, uh, you know, especially the double crop beans, uh, they really had a great season and helped hold things together. So they were unchanged on, uh, on bean yields on this uh, USDA report. Um, still a couple bushels below a year ago, but a big crop demand's really big. But right now, I think it caught the market a little bit surprised because I think, um, you know, the, the market was 12, 13 cents lower after that report. and They didn't really change anything. So I think the market was maybe expecting a cut in yields um, and when it was caught a little bit off guard. But now we, we still have some uphill battles on this thing. So it's still a, still a big crop. Demand's record large. But there's some things brewing under the surface that I'm a little fearful of. Number one, just technically, you know, the, the funds are already long beans by about 50,000 contracts. We held the lows this week where we kind of needed to, bounced a little bit on Friday. Um, kind of the line in the sand, though, if we get back under 980 on the January beans, we closed them Friday at 987. If you get back under 980, it would kind of technically turn the picture a little bit negative. You'd be back under the 200-day moving average. And I think it'd trigger the funds into sell mode, and that would scare me a little bit. In the same breath, though, we've got the whole South American growing season ahead of us, so there is some risk there. Things are pretty good right now, um, but uh, you know, the other thing too is we've seen some strength in the Brazilian currency. That's kind of allowed the Brazilian farmer who's holding on to a fair amount of his old crop beans um, to start selling and make a little bit better money. And also, the the farmer in Argentina, their government is talking about cutting their their sales tax on soybeans to put a little more money in the in the Argentina farmer's pocket and to generate some tax revenue for the government. They have a lot of unpriced beans as well. So that's kind of hanging over us a little bit. So I'm a little bit fearful. I'm not saying that beans can't rally. You know, the next 60 days probably is, um, you know, the best opportunity for them to. But I really want to watch those lows from a couple weeks ago at 980 on the January futures if you – if you trade back under there, especially if you close back under there, 
little bit concerned you could have a, a quite a bit deeper break um, and um, you know that wouldn't be a good development so President Trump is over in China right now and in several articles I've read obviously about you know different various trade agreements and those kind of things that are going on in China right now seems like they have promised to buy a large amount of soybeans um, yep. from us and they were also I read an article too where they were unexpectedly surprised of the the grade of the of the, the food grade soybeans so what do you think that means for the marketplace and do you feel like uh, maybe soybeans could have a jump and maybe carry up corn a little bit I think that's a possibility I think that's one thing that's kind of helped um, keep corn where it's at from even going lower than it has um, like I said, though, my, my fear is um, that if, if we can't rally, um, you know, we could have a bigger a bigger washout. Um, I do think, though, you know, that 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 was kind of a, a success, that trip, um, not only on the on the agricultural side. You know, sometimes you got to take those with a grain of salt because sometimes it's a little bit more symbolic. They're going to take those beans anyway. You know, China takes, I don't know, 40 some percent of all our bean exports anyway. So they, they, they're going to take a, a big amount uh, and they're going to uh, for the foreseeable future. But I, I think the take home is, um, yeah, that it's that's a good that's a good thing. Anytime you can have some success there, opening up some markets. There were some other businesses, too. So I think an overall category that was kind of seen as a success certainly didn't hurt our market any at all. You know, whether it's enough to just make us uh you know, put 20 or 30 cents into beans. I'm not sure, but it sure isn't going to hurt us. Let's put it that way. So let's shift over to um, maybe what, what's going on in wheat market right now. So I know they had a pretty strong drought situation, I guess, kind of going on in, in Kansas and Oklahoma, Texas during in the wheat belt there. And it seems like they'd gotten the moisture they want, but it still seemed like planting was really late this year than it had been in the past. What are you hearing from your customers and and what do you see that affect in the marketplace? Yeah, it was it was dry. It was kind of getting critically dry, um, and and then they did get some rain to kind of help get the rest of the crop in the ground and get what was planted, uh, you know, up and growing. So I, I think that's a little bit behind us. Um, you know, as you go into winter here, it's hard to v- develop much of a of a weather story in wheat. Um, you got to kind of wait till late winter, um, you know, spring before you start talking about all right, how cold did it get? How much snow cover did we get? Do we have any damage coming out of um, a dormancy from the the uh, the winter and then you know into May June um, are we going to get some rain on this thing? So we still uh, we're probably maybe in the doldrums a little bit. There's not 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 much going on in wheat. They did slightly cut the U.S. carry out by 25 million bushels. Slightly cut world carry out. Um, nothing uh, probably not enough to make us put a rally in, but it's at least good to see. It's first time in a long long time we've seen that. So demand at these lower prices is starting to perk up a little bit. Uh, any trade you do see is, is probably going to be technical. Again, the funds have a big short position in wheat, and, and wheat's maybe the bright spot for the week. It, it's, it's acting okay. It didn't push into new lows like corn did. Um, probably wouldn't take much to generate a little bit of a short covering bounce and, and a you know, 20, 30 cent rally in wheat. Uh, that might help hold corn together a little bit. Uh, if that happened, but I'm a little cautious because it seems like that's a broken record. We've seen this set up, you know, I don't, a dozen times in the last year where we're just right on the fence and you're like, all right, finally, wheat's going to rally. And, you know, you walk in the next day, it's down to eight. So it's, it's, uh, we've had a history of being disappointed by the wheat market. Uh, but I think the good news is, at least for the last couple of weeks, we stopped going lower. You know, before you go higher, you got to at least stop a market going lower and, and go sideways for a while. It seems like we've accomplished that in the wheat, so hopefully 
we could uh, see a little bit of a dead cap bounce and and get some of these funds out of some of these short positions and and get them buying a little bit here in the next few weeks to to give us a little better a uh, little better bounce. It seems like the cattle market has there's some stability there. It feels like not nearly as volatile as it's been um, in the past. Where do you see the the cattle market shaping up here, and and how do you see, especially with corn and and wheat the way they are? I mean, looks like feed could get pretty cheap for some of that stuff. Do you see cattle making a run anytime soon? Well, honestly, you know, um, we we we're coming. I mean, we're well off the highs here uh, of a week ago, but we've had a heck of a run higher in in cattle. And I think the last time you and I talked, maybe a month or so ago now. You know, we kind of talked about, hey, producers need to be kind of looking up towards this 130 area on some of these winter, you know, like February and April. We got that. Lots of profitability there. We were, you know, advising people, get some of this stuff locked in. Even if it's spending a couple bucks on some puts, there's a lot of profitability out here. Uh, Are we done going up? I I don't know. You know, the bottom's probably not going to fall out. But the real problem is going to come out into uh, like next spring and summer. Uh, as you mentioned, um, it's it's good right now. I mean, any cattle that have been on feed for you know four or five months, they're making good money. You know, two three hundred plus dollars uh, a head right now. Problem comes uh, in, in it's a double edged sword. So <clears throat> as corn gets cheaper, um, feeder cattle prices go up, and the deferred live cattle uh, really haven't rallied uh, because the cattle on feed reports for the last few months would suggest there's a lot of cattle on feed. There'll be, uh, be plenty of numbers out here, out into uh, spring and summer. So that's a, a little bit of a weak spot out there. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's the, the end of the world. I think producers are going to have to sharpen their knife a little bit. And when you do get, um, you know, those deferred contracts to profitability, do something to manage some risk. Uh, or it'll be kind of like, you know, giving a lot back of what we gained in the last two turns of, uh, of cattle in the next two turns out into the, you know, the end of the year um, next year. So a little bit of a double-edged sword right now looks really, really good. Hopefully producers were able to, to uh, take some risk off the table there up near 130 or above, uh, get some stuff locked in. But summer months uh, still a little bit concerning out there. What do you hear on the uh, you know the trade agreement front here? You know NAFTA has been in the news seems like all the time here, but I haven't heard much about it here of late. What are you hearing on on that front, and and how's that how's the market reacting to those topics? Yeah, um, you know so far so good. I, I think that uh, they were making some progress before Trump went on uh, this Asia trip. Um, so I think that's what it's going to be for a while. These big trade agreements historically. You know, it's not just a a one or a two month deal. It takes months and months and months, if not, you know, year, year and a half to get these things hammered out. But it seems like so far so good. I mean, um, you know, the hope is that we and and probably parts of these really do need renegotiated. It's been a long time since we did that. Um, I've always kind of been a, you know, a a glass half full guy and and said, you know, hey, they get this out and hammered out. Um, this actually could be a good thing for ag. Maybe help solidify Mexico as the major, you know, agricultural trading partner for the United States. You know, I mean, they're very important. They take massive amounts of corn, beans, pork, chicken, you know, vegetables, massive trading partner. And and I think that they're the powers that be are smart enough to realize, hey, you know, ag's not all our economy, but boy, it's pretty important. And I think that's going to be a high priority. And uh, so my hope is that uh, when they do get something hammered out, still may be a ways down the road, but when they do, I think it has as good a chance as being friendly to ag 
than being a negative. Uh, but it may be a long time down the road before we kind of get confirmation of that. We'll get back to Casey and Chip in a moment, but first a quick word from the company who made this podcast possible, Iron Solutions. Iron Solutions has deep roots in the ag industry with products for producers, dealers, manufacturers, ag retailers, and service providers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com to see solutions that streamline your operations, improve productivity, reduce costs, and speed your growth. Casey and Chip started their conversation reviewing 2017's high yields despite a challenging harvest season. Chip also provides his insights on the corn, soybean, wheat, and cattle markets. And now a quick word from Casey Seymour from Moving Iron LLC. Hello, I'm Casey Seymour, and I want to thank Farm Equipment Magazine for partnering with me to bring you the Farm Equipment Podcast Series, Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmap. The podcasts are taken from my weekly podcast, Moving Iron Podcast. Moving Iron Podcast is a podcast designed for ag equipment dealers by ag equipment dealers. The weekly podcast focuses on current events and trends across the ag equipment marketplace in North America. Along with dealers, I interview the biggest names in the ag industry. Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Ag and Marketing is a regular guest talking about commodity markets and risk management. You can also hear guests like Greg Machinery Pete Peterson and Tyne Morgan of the U.S. Farm Report. If you are in the ag equipment business or have an interest in the ag equipment business, this is a must listen for you. You can find the podcast at movingironllc.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. Also at movingironllc.com, you can find information on the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from the Moving Iron blog. Throughout the year, there will be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. You can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And if you would like, you can send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at Moving Iron Podcast.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. Thanks, Casey. Let's get back to the program now and listen in as Casey and Chip discuss the impacts of trade agreements will have on the U.S. ag market and the outlook for 2018 and how to help provide your customers with solutions while commodity prices remain low. Pacific Trade Agreement. You know, as soon as Trump got in office, I was like he did that the minute he became president of the United States, jumped out of that of that trade accord. So what are you hearing about that and what you know, what effects do you think that'll have as far as opening up maybe some trade agreements between, you know, Asian Asian and, and Pacific countries? Yeah. That one's a little more complex to me. It's not as clear cut, you know, the um, the NAFTA thing, it, I mean it's easy, you know, you just point to all those statistics about Mexico and, and how much uh, US agricultural products they buy. That one to me, I'm not an expert on it. It's a lot more um, complex, multiple you know, countries involved. But the same thing, I think that was part of what he was talking about to some of these world leaders on this Asian trip. Um, I, you know, again, I, I think that uh, that's a massive market. You know, we've opened up some of these markets, especially for like beef, um, um, you know, Taiwan and Korea and Vietnam and some of these Asian countries are becoming much more important for um, our ag products. And, um, you know, again, that's that's much more complex. Um, and, and again, my hope is that something can get kind of, um, you know, figured out there, but it, it may be a ways off. You sure don't hear anything negative on it yet. I think we just need to get some more time under our belts and some more uh, clarity and understanding on exactly what they're they're proposing out there as far as trade goes. But, you know, if the deal and, and the news from China um, is, is any indication off of this Asian trip from, from Trump. I mean, it looks 
pretty good. You know, again, how much of that's symbolic and uh, you don't know, but there was a lot of, of new business um, announced, not just ag, but, you know, across the full spectrum of, uh, of the U.S. economy. So uh, hopefully that's a sign of things to come. The Asian marketplace is, is where you're seeing the biggest rise in, in the middle class, and and you do feel like there is a a, a broader demand for for proteins in in those countries. So I wasn't necessarily a fan of the TPP when it first came out, but hopefully we can they can get that redirected and renegotiated maybe and and make it more equal for everybody on the on the same playing field. Exactly, I think that's uh, President Trump's uh, point. Let's kind of redo this and, th- and things change and, you know, they, they put these agreements in place and, and economies change and the dynamics change and they probably do need updated, uh, you know, every so often. So hopefully they can uh, kind of move in the right direction and not upset the apple cart too much in any one industry and kind of agree on some things that are uh, mutually beneficial to everyone. So when you become a used equipment manager like like I am, they they issue a crystal ball at when, when you <laughs> yeah. get to your first day of orientation, and I've misplaced mine. I can't find it, but your crystal ball. When you look out there, what what are what are some what are some trends you think you're going to see going into eighteen and and maybe into the first first half of the year of twenty eighteen that that guy should be aware of. Well, I still have my very first crystal ball on my on my desk. Um, unfortunately, it's cracked and cloudy uh, now. It's all clouded up, and it's uh, no. Seriously though, I, I think as far as the grain side goes, corn corn farmers in particular, it's going to be very challenging. We have big yields. That's going to help cushion some of this. But my my big big fear is we just grind this thing sideways, work all the carry out of the market. And, and when I say that, I mean like like this, like right now, December futures are trading at, you know, call it 343 and the March is 356. I don't think corn has to go a lot lower, but my fear is it goes sideways. So then in, in six weeks, December corn futures go off the board at let's call it 340. And then over the six weeks after that, then March has a tendency to grind down into the 340s and it goes off the board and May corn grinds down into the 340s. We saw that happen in the wheat market and that's actually the function of a of a market that is handling big bushels with deferred contracts at higher prices than what the nearby is. And you can just go sideways and if a farmer doesn't lock that in, if he doesn't do, you know, sell the futures out there as a hedge or a hedge to arrive or a deferred um, you know, cash sale, then you, then you lose that carry and doing nothing. You could lose 20 cents at the whole time, you know, over four months, corn goes nowhere. That's my biggest fear in the corn market. I'm a little bit fearful now that unless we see a flare up, uh, in South America, you know, over the next few weeks that beans could put a bigger break into, and there's carry in that market as well. You got November 18 beans at $10, think it's not much of an argument to say we could plant a few more bean acres next year uh, again at the expense of corn. So I don't want to be too much of a, of a negative Nancy out here, but there are a lot of challenges um, in, the, in the same breath. As you look out here, um, you know, I, I don't think it's too early to be thinking about some 18 sales or hedges of some sort, especially in beans, especially if you'd get a, you know, 15, 20 cent bounce generated um, over the next few weeks. So we just, you know, I mean, I, I, I preach it all the time. It just pays so much to have a plan and stick to it and, uh, you know, get a group of advisors around you, uh, you know, bankers are going to be 
get the banking relationship as tight as you can. It's going to be important. Um, the tax guy, you know, some sort of, of help on the market. Um, obviously, you know, agronomics are, are huge and the technology, a seed guy, uh, an equipment guy like yourself, you build the right, um, you know, board, I guess, if you want to call it that advisory board, uh, and, and you got to have a plan and, and the markets are uh, getting more and more challenging, especially with this recent USDA report. Yeah, it seems to me that when we deal with the, with our customer base, we have to be open with ideas and be creative and think outside the box and, and do all those things that are going to uh, make us become that trusted advisor with our customer base. So yeah. equipment might as well be on the Chicago Board of Trade. It's it pretty is. much a commodity. And, you know, we have to separate ourselves out from everyone else that's out there as well. So if I'm going to start talking to my guys right now and I'm going to go out and start talking to uh, some farmers here whenever they get done with with harvest what are, what are a couple points i should bring up to them about you know risk managing their risk and and kind of positioning themselves into going into 2018 yeah well i think i think first and foremost um is this uh this is really ch- i mean we've had a couple of um of, of lower income years here but this is really really challenging and it, and it's really tough and so I, I think just just asking them, you know, from a position like that, you you really care. Like, how are you getting through this? You know, like, are are you okay? Because I mean, it's highly stressful. Big yields, yes, but man, um, you know, incomes are down, and you know, there's there's just a ton of 2016 crop left to sell. There's very little 17 crops sold. There's some even some 15 bushels that are hanging around out of here. And, and so I think that's the starting point, you know, it's like, all right, you know, how are you, let's, let's not even talk about, you know, from our hat, the, the markets or, or your seat, the, the, the equipment side, how, how are you doing? You know, let's, what are you doing to get through this? And let's talk about that and be open some guys, uh, you know, as, as males, we're all like that, right? We don't want to, you know, uh, open up and, and share problems but i think that's an important point over the next few months as we go talk to these guys is like hey it's it's tough out there right now i mean it's arguably for some operations um as tough as um we've seen since the 80s it's not uh, not a great situation out there but with that being said there's opportunities to help them and and that might be hey let's let's put you in touch with um a, a banker that i know that you know is open to helping restructure balance sheets and helping guys get things shored up. It might not be as bad as you think. And, you know, look, you can you hold grain out into April, May, June? You know, you can get 30 cents more a bushel for it out there. That's If you had 200-plus bushel corn, that's, that's 50, 60-plus dollars an acre more in your pocket. Um, and, and the right banker will help, you know, extend your operating note to get that money in your pocket. And, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head just, just – be willing to provide solutions, even if it's not right in your immediate um, niche are going to help you out immediately. And, and I think people really respect that. And, and that's kind of the way we've always tried to do things. And, and I think it's more important than ever, or at least more important than it has been in 10 or 15 years. And I think about January, February, it may just kind of reality may kind of finally come hitting a lot of these guys in the face. And they're like, okay, 
corn's probably not going to go anywhere. What what now? And, it, and it's going to be a rough go for them for a while here. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's anything on the horizon that I see from a commodity standpoint. Um, of course, I'm just a used equipment guy, so I could be wrong. But there's not much out there that that's pointing to uh, an upward swing, barring some you know catastrophic failure somewhere in the world. That commodity prices are going to have a have a big upswing. Yeah, and and hopefully we can uh, maybe start readjusting some of the cost structure of, of this. You know, um, that's part of the problem. Now, you know, obviously commodity prices have corrected lower, but it seems like seed, fertilizer, cash rent, you know, uh, land prices, you know, haven't really corrected um, lower along with commodity prices. So. You know, eventually there'll be a readjustment here that'll help guys out. You know, will it start this winter and spring? <clears throat> I don't know. I would have thought it would have started a little more than it did, a, you know, a year ago, and it didn't. Um, but that that will be a bright spot. Hey, you know, if we can get through this, things are going to or should correct. Historically, they have to where uh, cost structures get more in line with, um, you know, where commodity prices are. And it's not. It's like you said. I don't want to get. Uh, you know, it's not just totally bleak here um you know there's there's opportunities out there south american crop is is far from assured they're just they're still finishing up planting down there it's a world market and demand on corn and beans are record large so that is the bright spot we're using a lot of corn and beans um and the demand's big so it doesn't take much of a problem somewhere in the world to cause a little bit of a rally um you know it could be a little bit inflationary here crude oil um, you know, is, is up north of 60 bucks, or at least it has been back under there now. But if crude oil were to keep rallying for whatever reasons, Middle East uh, issues, North Korea issues, that could help, you know, drive uh, commodities a little bit. But it's not totally bleak out there, but, um, boy, it's, it's a pretty challenging environment. And um, it's going to take a lot to help these farmers through. A d- more diversify, you know, out your way. Where there's more cattle, I mean that's that's a bright spot right now, and even hogs um, have had a nice run higher. So, you know, if you're row crop only, it probably feels a lot more bleak than you know if you've got some livestock diversity as well, because the livestock side is making good money right now, and uh, so that is a bright spot, particularly out uh, in your neck of the woods. So we are blessed to have the amount of diversity that we have out here and with the cattle market being the way it is for us, it is a large part of our business. And the, uh, we have had a lot of bushels out here and even though the price is low, um, those large number of bushels do make up that difference. It feels like for a lot of guys, we have plenty of guys talking about equipment. So obviously they have some cash in their pocket or at least they, they're perceiving they're going to have some cash in their pocket. So, um, I'm, I'm looking, I think there are some positive things that are going to happen here through the end of 2017 and hopefully some of that carries over into, uh, 2018. And I think, I think that's a good point too. Uh, that, that kind of reminds me of something you, you asked earlier, what can we do to help these guys? Maybe refocus them on that. That is true. You know, and, and a lot of guys sometimes kind of forget, you know, we had a, a brief chance above $4 corn earlier in the year, but nobody knew what their yields were. Well, now it's like, okay, and that's part of my, like, you know, that having a plan, knowing where you're at. Okay, well, maybe now you have 30, 40 more bushels per acre than what you thought back then. So recalculate that. And, um, you know, it definitely helps. You know, I mean, if you can get 350 um, out of some things or even three and a quarter cash on 230 bushel corn, that's, you know, maybe not getting you exactly where you need to be to profitability, but 
it's it's not as bad as if you only had you know 190 bushel corn at at uh, at three and a quarter cash prices. So that might be one thing too is just refocus them and say, all right, what what were your yields? Um, you know, because it's easy to kind of get down in the dumps on this whole thing. And yeah, we're at five year lows in corn prices and wheat prices. And um, but bush, you're right. I mean, that's a great point. Bushels definitely help that. And um, in most areas, um, bean yields were really good. And corn yields were, uh, you know, awful good as well. Well, I think we've covered the gamba here, Chip. So if guys want to get in touch with you, where would they do that at? You can call us um, at our office, 309-550-7213. we got a website, uh, www.blueReefinc.com. You can kind of check us out as well. But uh, we're, we're here every day and um, more than willing to, to talk to some people if they have any questions at all. So on movingironllc.com, you can find a nice pretty picture of Chip and, and his uh – and his bio there with all the contact information leading back to his website. So I would encourage all of you to reach out to Chip and, and ask some questions of him. So, so Chip, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, Casey and Chip. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels, including an Ask the Expert feature on our website, where you can ask him your questions directly. Check it out at farm-equipment.com backslash askthexpert. Thanks once again to Iron Solutions for sponsoring this series. Iron Solutions provides dealers like you with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. The Iron Search and Iron Guide suite of solutions is all about managing each dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your used equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. We hope you'll tune in with us for our next episode on January 18th. For Casey and Chip, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.